0: Welcome to Gateway's Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from our guest speaker. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, good morning, Gateway. Um, I am Matthew. I think I'm the guy Don was talking about, but... It sounded really good when he was saying it. Um, I partly feel like uh, he was just trying to make me look good in front of my kids today, but I'm thankful for that. But um, I am Matthew. I'm so glad to be with you guys this morning. Um, I grew up here, like Don said. I mean, I I've sat in those same seats, did a lot of the same things that you are doing, and and alongside some of you who are, who were with me in those days. I was five. I'm 42. All right. I was five when we started coming to Gateway. And so for so many of my formative years, uh, this was my faith family. And, and so many people were a big part of that. And I've gotten to actually see some uh, people from, from my past year. Because part of my past, like Don said, was I did middle school ministry here for I was the, I was the middle school youth pastor. And um, I had never preached before. I'd never taught. That was very scary to me. I didn't want to do that. But they were like, we hired you. So Go And so I was like, all right. And so one of the first passages they gave me uh, was teaching on the Old Testament sacrificial system. And I was like, cool. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to make this interactive. So we got a bunch of stuffed animals and we like slit their throats and there was like blood and, 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 and some of your kids are probably still recovering from the days when I taught, uh, early on. So apologies for, for some of that, but, um, you know, it was just, uh, I, 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 cut my teeth here. Uh, but God, it was a part of a much larger story, uh, that God was doing in me, doing in our family. And even as we heard from Ryan and Alexia Templeton this morning, um, that God is working and has uniquely gifted each one of us. And, and I have had the privilege, over these years of discovering some of my gifts among some of you and in this faith family that has led me now to be a church planner in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Now, add that to the list of things I never thought I would do. And, and so I do want to say to you right now, like i never, it wasn't like when I was 15, I was like, I'm going to plant a church one day. Uh, really for 25 years, I was like, no, please don't make me, please don't make me, you know? And, and so today, what I, I want to root us in is just a healthy view of the local church and how God uniquely equips one of us. Now, one way that he did not actually equip me was to be a runner, but I do run, all right? I'm a runner. I know it doesn't look like it. I don't have that physique you were thinking, like that dude's a runner, all right? But I do, it's a hobby, all right? Something that I enjoy. Uh, half marathon. I'm no Reggie Bone who just did like the goofy thing at Disney and he runs like 90 different races, right? Like that's not me. All right. But I, you know, half marathon, some adventure, like Spartan races. But uh, one race that I, I do with some of my buddies every year is called the Palmetto 200. We run from Lexington. It's like 200 miles down to Charleston. We just kind of relay through the night. And um, we th- we keep saying we think it's fun. We're not totally sure. It's mainly miserable, but we do it every year. So, um, But I've, I've come to learn over those years that uh, it's important. Important for my body To be healthy in order to accomplish the goals that I'm setting out my races, right? Like as I'm running, you know, proper nutrition at my age, stretching is incredibly important. Um, As you're doing that, a good training plan as you set out for it. Uh, And I've also learned that there's things you can do that are very unhealthy for your body. And so a couple of years back, right when I was turning 40, my vision just dropped off the planet, right? Like I couldn't see anymore. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I mean, I could actually see, but I just my prescription went all wacky, and I was like, I'm getting 40 now. This is just how you your body goes. And I would wake up every morning. And you can ask my wife. I would, I would get out of bed and do that walk where your legs don't bend because everything hurts, you know? And, and it felt like someone was stabbing daggers into my heels. And I was like, what is this? And then I'd go to work and I'd sit down for a while. And when I get up, it was those daggers in my heels again. I'm like, something's not right. So I went to an orthopedist and I was like, hey man, this is what's going on. I got a race I'm trying to train for. What do I need to do? He's like, don't worry. We see this all the time. It's not a big deal. All right, you've developed bone spurs on your heels And as a Clemson fan, that was very offensive to me because the thought of having uh, spurs on my heels was difficult to to deal with. And, uh, but he said, we see this all the time, quick fix. We got this. Uh, so what we're going to do surgery, we will detach your Achilles from your heel. We'll shave the bone spurs off and then screw your Achilles tendon back into your heel. And I was like, can i get a second opinion like is this really the only path and and so i did I got, I got a second opinion i talked to some people and and basically what they told me was uh you're running too fast for you. And uh, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try not to be offended by that. But, um, and, and so I was training with guys that have different bodies than me and can run way faster. And I just kept trying to keep in you know, a little engine that could just keep keeping up with them, you know, and, and it was hurting my body because I wasn't treating it the right way for what it was designed for. And so with a couple of tweaks and a new training plan and running by myself, instead of with my fast friends, um, uh, I was able to, to get rid of that pain and not have, my Achilles are still ta- attached, which was great, and, uh, and continue running. But it just brought to me that importance of keeping your body healthy to accomplish the mission that it's been set out for. And the local church is the same way. Uh, the, the local church is the exact same way, that uh, the local church, in order uh, for it to accomplish the mission that God has given it, has to pr- remain and pursue uh, to be healthy, if Gateway is going to accomplish its mission of experiencing Christ together and sharing the love of Christ with others, that it must pursue help to accomplish those goals. Now, I want to get your attention real quick, because you're like, yeah, those church leaders really need to do that. And I'm talking to you today, all right? This isn't for Pastor Don. This isn't for uh, any of the other staff members. It is for them, but it's for all of us, because we are one body. So what does a healthy church look like? And today what we're going to do is look at the first part of Ephesians chapter four. And so if you have a copy of God's word, you can turn there. It's Ephesians four. If not, it's going to be on the screen for you today. Uh, But instead of me giving you a bunch of ideas about what I think a healthy church is, we're just going to go to God's word, talk about it together, and then try and apply that to our everyday lives. That sound good? All right. So this is what I'm going to do. Here's a big idea for today. It's very long. I would recommend not writing it, but snapping a picture if you want to remember it later. But here's your big idea for for today. A healthy church is a unified, uniquely gifted, and maturing group of many individuals working together to build itself up in love. I told you it was wordy, all right? But here's the deal. It's not my main point. I think this is the main point of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, that a healthy church is a unified, uniquely gifted, and maturing group of many individuals working together together. To build itself up in love. And so I've got three points. If that helps you to know where we're going today, I have got three points for you today. And we're going to start with point number one, a healthy church is unified in the faith. A healthy church is unified in the faith. Uh, look at, um, well, before I even go there, Ephesians 1 through 3. I'm starting you in chapter 4. It's not really fair, right? You don't know what Paul's been talking about here. But this is a Paul that uh, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. In the first three chapters, he was laying this foundation for God's calling on those who he has called. All right? and And really, it was this work of what is the actual gospel. And particularly in chapter 2, Paul laid out that God brings to life those who are spiritually dead by grace through faith in Jesus. Now, I want to stop right there. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That even this morning, if you walked in here today and you're like, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't really believe this. This is what I believe, that by grace, a free gift through faith, which is just placing your trust in Christ alone that God brings spiritually dead people to spiritual life. It's not a work you do. It's something that he does in you. And I think that he desires to, to draw people to salvation even this morning. And so as we talk about the rest of this letter, maybe the, the quickening your heart all the way through is, I don't know if I have a relationship with God. And I just ask it in these moments, you just listen to what he has for you. But in those first three chapters, Paul lays out the gospel. And then at the beginning of chapter 4 here, he says this in verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He, he tells us, he talked about that calling in chapters 1 through 3. And then he, he switches a new track in chapter 4 and says, uh, this is what you've been called to. Now walk in a manner worthy of that calling. Calling. This is about how we conduct our lives as followers of Christ, because he made us alive by grace through faith in Christ. Now we are to walk in line with that calling. And it's, it's really a matter of purpose, right? Like the purpose of your life has shifted. Before you had a relationship with Christ, the purpose of your life was self-centered. It was about you. It was about what made you comfortable, what what felt good to you, what brought you glory and established your little kingdom, building, you know, get all your toys and all your stuff together. But now that you have a relationship with Christ, your purpose has completely shifted. Now he is your master. Now your life is oriented around him. And so your life is, is built towards living for him and what pleases him. And so Paul describes himself as a prisoner of the Lord. Now he's, he's writing this letter from a prison in Rome. But what he says here is actually, uh, uh, though I might have captors who, who have the keys to my jail cell, ultimately, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. The, the one that I seek to obey and submit myself to is not my jailer, but it's, it's Christ and Christ alone. My, uh, my only person I submit to is the Lord. And so a, a question for you this morning, just as we begin, is this, does the evidence of your life every day indicate that you are living for God or for yourself? As you, as you think about how you spend your time, as you think about how you spend your money, as you think about just, just your thoughts, like what goes through your mind, is it an evidence that you are living a life in, in line with, worthy of what you have been called to? And that's not to shame you or guilt you, that's not the message here, but it's just to reorient ourselves to the one who is our firm foundation, like we just sang, Christ and Christ alone. And so, maybe this morning as we begin, it's just a moment to stop and confess and repent of your self centeredness and ask the Lord to to do a work in your heart that orients you back towards Him. So, are you living a life uh, worthy of the calling to which you've been called? Now, what does that look like? Uh, Verses two and three say this It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. In the bond of peace. Now, a worthy walk, Paul says, is, is full of humility and, and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Listen, here's the reality. In our sin, that list sounds great. I wish I could be more of those things. I want to do those things. But in our sinfulness, we will struggle to actually live these things out, and particularly with consistency, okay? And, and so there's just an acknowledgement from the very front that who is the one who did these things perfectly? Like, like when, I, when I describe to you humility, gentleness, patience, who am I talking about here? This is Jesus, all right? Jesus is our model. He is our example. He's the one that we go to and say, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Would you develop this in me? I need your help. That's the work that he does in us, that we look to him and depend on him to produce these things in us. And, and then it says, bearing with one another in love. Now, uh, this one is super easy to talk about. And in theory, it's like, yes, I will bear with one another in love until you have to. Until you actually have to do it. I mean, let's be real. I want you to look around the room and make eye contact with someone you did not come in here with, all right? Do it, you're still looking at me. Look around the room, look at somebody, all right? Here's the reality of these beautiful faces that you're looking at. They are sinful, they will sin against you and you will hurt them. And newsflash, it's not just them. When you walked in, you brought sin with you too, all right? It's all of us. If we are going to, as, as we want to here at Gateway, experience life together, we are, we're gonna have conflict together. It's just a reality. And I hope as I'm saying this right now and as Paul teaches this, this in Ephesians 4, that two years from now, four years from now, when that moment comes, when it feels like what in the world is happening you can get rooted back in the truth of God's word and depend on Him to develop and produce these things in you. But the truth is, if we are going to be a healthy church, gateway, if you're going to be a healthy church, when those conflicts arise, we don't bury them. Paul doesn't say, bury your conflicts with one another, like a bunch of dead bodies under the carpet. He says, bear with one another. And I want to be honest with you, that is a hard work. It's not easy. It requires a lot of humility, gentleness, patience, the things that we need the Lord to develop in us. And he says this at the end of that verse, maintaining the unity of the spirit. Now, the beauty of this is to maintain it means it's already been given. He gave us unity already in the spirit. And so our work is is to maintain it. And, And it says to be eager to maintain it. We can't be passive about this. All right. We can't just sit passively by and just assume this might happen. We need to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. We need to be aggressive towards it, active towards it, proactive towards it. So the question is then what unites us? What actually are we united in? Is it our hobbies, our our skin color, our finances, our sports teams? No. We are unified in belief. Look at verses 4 through 6. It says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Those those verses right there are likely a confessional statement that the church would, would say over and over again, and Paul is repeating it right here as a way of reminder. The idea is that there is theological unity of the saints, that there's a common belief system that everyone is united under, that there is one body, which is the body of Christ. It's the church, that we are all individual, diverse, unique parts of one whole unit that are united together in him. That there is one spirit, the Holy Spirit, the one that was vital in making us alive in Christ and is empowering us to follow Christ in our moment by moment. That there is one hope, which is really big that he says that here because in chapter two, he said, when you were spiritually dead, you were as with those without hope. But now because you've been made alive in Christ, you're unified in hope and that hope rests in Christ alone. There's one Lord and that word Lord means master. Master. That we are all now under one master, which unites us together in purpose. There's one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who's sovereignly ruling over all things. This is our unity. Now, now, when I run a race, and I imagine the one that Reggie Bone and, and his daughter ran uh, back at Disney World back in January or whenever it was, that there was a lot of people dressed differently. I bet people looked very different when they were running that race. At Disney World, they do weird things at these races, right? Everyone's dressed up as like Cinderella running a marathon, like it's strange stuff, all right? So if you've never seen it, you need to look these things up, all right? But when you're running a race, like when I've been in races, there's a, you get to the starting line, And and everyone looks different, right? Different skin colors, different clothes, different backgrounds, different histories, a lot of differences between all of us, different body sizes. Like, you're going to run a race? Yeah, I'm here to run the race, all right? So, but when they say go, we are all headed in the same direction. We're all united in purpose. We're all united in mission at that point. And that's a picture of the church. A bunch of very different people, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different financial situations different ways that we look and dress and things that we're interested in. But ultimately, we are pointed towards the same purpose. We are unified in what God has called us to, and that brings us together. This is how the church should function. And so, Gateway, I I pray that God continues to grow you as a faith family to be a people who welcomes this diversity in this church and strives for that unity together. That's that's a, a picture to you, but to the world Of what the kingdom of God looks like and what our future for eternity looks like together. So a healthy church is unified in the faith. Point number two, a healthy church leverages its unique giftedness. Verses seven through 10 are like this picture of of this um, very generous, victorious king. All right. In, In verse seven, it says this, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's Gift now when he 's talking about that there what he 's saying when that grace was given he 's talking about actual spiritual gifts these these uh, gifts and abilities that the spirit of God gives to those who are his own and so uh, in Romans twelve it refers to this it refers to them as gifts of grace that, 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 are, that are to be used in first Corinthians 12 through fourteen it talks about these that these gifts are to be used for the common good for the building up of the body first peter 410 says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So that grace that was given are these gifts that the Spirit gives us when we are made alive in Him. And these gifts vary. Ephesians has a list here, and the list in this particular passage is talking about roles within the local church. But there's lists all over it. Like I said in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, uh, Romans chapter 12, there's list all throughout Scripture. But here's the reality is that all of the gifts that God gives out are different, but they are all equal. They're all very important. All right? And, and so um, if, you, if you're like me, like football fans in here, not football, but actual like American football, show of hands, just two of you. One, it's 10. Okay, good. All right, a couple of us. Then you know what I've been feeling. It's basketball and hockey season. And you're like, oh, can we just, like the Masters is over. Can we get to football season, right? So the NFL draft happened this last weekend. And I'm like, man, something, news about football. Let's roll. And, uh, and so, so what's happening is all these teams are, are needing to put together one whole unit that can take the field. And so they're drafting a lot of different positions. How crazy would it be for a team to draft seven quarterbacks? all right? It wouldn't make any sense. They need an offensive lineman. They need a wide receiver. They need a tight end. They need a defense that can actually get the other offense off the field so they're linebackers and whatever else. They're drafting a lot of different positions to make one whole team. Uh, As a former offensive lineman, I will represent us for a moment. Uh, We always get the bad rap for anything that goes on. I see that hand. I see those. Yes, I see you. I see you. All right. Now, the quarterback gets all the glory because if we do our job, no one notices, all right? If we don't do it, everyone notices or the refs call that holding penalty. We've been hoping they haven't called the whole game, all right? But, but the reality is without the offensive line blocking, the quarterback can't throw the ball. And without a wide receiver running the right route and the right timing, the catch is not going to be made. There's no first down, no touchdown. The team all has to work together. And it's the same way here on a Sunday morning. You might see, I mean, these guys, I think his name is Wes. I've just met him this morning. Great guy. And Jeremy and Don, these people that are doing these things, you see them every week. You're going to feel like, man, that, that's an awesome gift. But man, just like Ryan Templeton was saying, like, man, welcoming people on the way in is hugely important. A lot of you have experienced the welcoming atmosphere here when you get to walk in and they're like, what flavor of coffee do you want? We're like, at my church, we're like, coffee, bring it yourself. Like, you know, and so, so you just don't know. Like, you're blessed, right? Like, this is great. Everyone using these different gifts, all uh, using the gifts according, it says, to the measure of Christ's gift. And he doesn't give things in part, all right? He's not like, I'll give you just a little bit of that. Like, when Christ gives gifts, they're out of a, a power that, that was resurrected from the dead. This is a powerful gift, all right? It's not just anything. And, and so I guess what I want to say to you is when you are using those spiritual gifts, the Spirit of God is enabling those, and so they're, they're being used in power. And so I don't know if you've ever had a moment, there's been some moments in my life where I'm, I'm talking to someone or I'm counseling someone, and I say something really, really smart, And I'm like, I know that was not me, (laughs) okay? Like, my wife is like, I don't know where you said that came from, but it was not from you, right? Like, when you just know God is using you, because that's what he does, church. He is the one who gave us these gifts. He is the one enabling and empowering those gifts, and he is the one using them, And so who is the gift giver? Well, look at verses eight through 10. It says, therefore, it says, when he, there's a lot of ascension and descension, so just track with me here. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. All right, in summary, this is what he's talking about that that this Christ this victorious king the gift giver he descended down to earth he took on flesh he conquered the enemy he raised from the dead and this is his victory parade like back in the back in the old days in ancient times, what they would do when a king would go off to war and they were victorious and they'd come back, they'd ride through the streets, giving the gifts out, like the spoils of the war. Everything they took, they'd they'd give it out to the people. So the people are cheering, Yay, victorious king! And the king was lavishing gifts on the people. That's the picture of Paul's painting here. That Jesus descended down to earth, took on flesh out of great humility. And he defeated death and sin, like we sang about earlier, and rose in victory. And this is his victory parade, to lavish his gifts on his people, to bring to life those who are spiritually dead, and then fill them with his spirit and with these gifts. This is the victorious king. This is the one enabling all of this. This is his victory parade. So what are Those gifts, okay? We're talking about the gifts. What are they? Well, like I said in this particular passage, it's talking about gifts to the church people. He's talking about actual people he gives to his church. And I just want to run through that list uh, really fast here. In verse 11, it says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers... Uh, this, uh, if I'm going to just run through and give a qu- quick description, the, the apostles there, uh, commonly referred to like those who had walked with Jesus, maybe had seen him die, had seen him resurrected and were sent out by him. Uh, some people would even say in modern times though there's no new apostles that, that, uh, church planners often are kind of at that, that apostolic work. Okay. And we think about prophets. Um, God spoke through his people in might and empower with, with special revelation in the old Testament. And, and whereas we might not experience that, uh, Currently now, there are people that God gifts that just point you to the truth. It's like a a sharp arrow, man. When they they get God's word out and they're like, hey, do you see this? You're like, oh man, that is, you just bring it to life for me. And then the evangelist. I mean, the truth of it is some people are just good at evangelism, all right? It doesn't absolve any of us from sharing the gospel with others. But some people are just gifted. They can communicate it with clarity. They just, there's something about it and God has blessed them in that. And there are shepherds. And that, that word shepherd is, is trans, you know, pastor, elder, shepherd. Um, this is a gift that, that God has given me to, to know and to nurture, to protect, to lead, and sacrifice for the flock. Sorry. I'm a crier. Y'all don't know that. Um, but I, 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 I just love God's church. And I love my faith family that I get to serve. And so just to think about that I get to do that is really cool. So, um, uh, but, but I'll, I'll be honest, it's been something I've been terrified to do for years. All right. Like I, this, this idea of like, I, I feel like God's calling me to do this, but I've been so hesitant. All right. All the time because of my insecurity. I don't know if I got any insecure people in here, but I'm like, you want me to do what? Like I can't do that. And God just keeps going, boom, like right off the ledge. Like, here we go. All right. And so I can tell you confidently, I never thought I would be a church planner, but God has called me into that for this season of life. And so I just want to say this, that God has enabled you with gifts, but you know who doesn't want you to use them? The enemy. Like if if what's happening here is God is enabling you with gifts so you can help be a part of making the local church healthy, well, what does Satan want? A very unhealthy local church. And if he wants to get there, then he gets people to feel afraid or insecure or or prideful in the way that they use their gifts, and it begins to destroy the work that God is doing to unify us. And so I, I don't know if maybe you're there today that your insecurity or your fear is preventing you from using the very gift that God has given you. But I want to encourage you today not to be bold, not to be stronger, like go out there, but to depend on the Lord who gave you that gift. He is the one who is enabling it. And so you just go to him and be like, I'm scared to do this. Will you help me? And then see what God does with that over the years. And so God did not give all of these gifts, thankfully, to one person except for Jesus. He gave them to lots of people so that we could unite together and use these gifts together. Now, Gateway, this is what I want you to see. Do you see how all of these gifts that I just listed here have worked together historically? Think about this. Jesus made disciples, apostles, and then he sent them out. He said, I want you to go tell others about me, make disciples, and plant churches. That's what he sent them out to do. So those guys, they went out, they made disciples, they plant churches. Judea, Samaria, uh, the outermost parts of the earth. Paul came on. You know, he's going to Corinth and all these different places. They're planting churches, right? And then when these churches are planted, God starts sending pastors and teachers to those churches, to, to build those churches up. And, and that church planting movement, that disciple-making church planting movement that Jesus started is why you're sitting in this room today. You are connected back to that call originally, that when Jesus sent them out, they multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied so that Gateway Baptist Church exists, so that Old Town Church supported and encouraged by Gateway Baptist Church exists in Rock Hill, South Carolina. God is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is his work. It's what he is doing. He's doing it here, and he's doing it all across the world. The kingdom of God is advancing, and you're a part of it. And guys, that's exciting that we get to be a part of this. Now, how does Gateway then grow healthy well, verse 12 says this, that these, these roles were given to the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. Now, what is the work of ministry? Remember, this passage here is about church health. And so that work of ministry, it says, is the building up of the body of Christ. Listen, if you are in Christ, you are a minister. It's, it's not just those of us with the microphones, Every single one of you who is in Christ is a minister. And and your ministry is to apply the gifts that God has given you for the building up of the people in this room. When you use your gifts to serve these people, we grow healthier. When you don't, we are lacking. Without you in the game, this church is suffering And so when you use your gifts to serve and minister to the people here, this church grows healthier and stronger. So what does it look like to use your gifts? Listen, it could be welcome ministry or coffee ministry or uh, with kids or with students. Or maybe it's the AV team, Jason taking great care of us this morning and putting all this together in the team that works with him. But maybe you're like, I don't fit into any of the buckets that are on there. Listen, here's the beauty. In five seconds, I went on your website, all right? I don't go here. I don't hear anyone on staff talk about how to get engaged with serving, all right? But I noticed on the slides the whole morning in, there was like a thousand different ways. And I went on your website, and in five seconds, I got to a form I could fill out that says, hey, I'm interested in this, 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 or this. And if, and this is the beauty of it, if you're like, I don't feel like I fit any of those boxes. There's a little box that says, any other comments? And you're like, hey, listen, this is what I want you to do. Listen to me right now. I want you to go in that box and be like, I need to discover my spiritual gifts. Can you help me with that? All right. And this staff is going to walk alongside you and try and figure out what it looks like, what your gifts are, and how you can use them in this faith family. All right. So a healthy church is unified in the faith. A healthy church leverages its unique giftedness. And finally, a healthy church matures in Christ. What is the mark? What is the picture of a healthy church? It's maturing in him, in Christ. Christ, all right? A healthy body of Christ doesn't look more like Don Brock. Don's a great guy, but he will fail you. He is a sinful man. Christ is the head. Sorry, Don, I hope I could say that. Christ is the head of the church, all right? He is the head. He is the one that we pursue. And so it says in verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Romans tells us that what God is doing is he is transforming us, conforming us to the image of his Son, Jesus. That's the work. That's what he's doing. And so what happens if we're not? Then we're children tossed to and fro by the wind. Look at verse 14. So that we may no longer be children, Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So what does it look like when we're not maturing in this way, when we're not speaking truth to one another, when we're not helping one another mature? It's, it's just being tossed to and fro, the inability to even understand or know what truth is. Does this sound like our culture right now? This is exactly where we are. And I wasn't talking about the world. I was talking about the church. Guys, this is where we're struggling right now. And and so I just wanna ask you this morning, like what voices do you allow in your mind during a given week? Is, Is it a podcaster, a celebrity, a politician, an athlete, a social media influencer? And I'm not judging you when I say those, you're like, oh no, I would never do that. But like, let's be honest what you, what you allow in your minds during the week. So I'm not judging. And my follow up is what is shaping the way that you think? Like who and what do you give influence to as it pertains to how you seek truth. And and so be honest. Are your thoughts shaped more by the voices of our culture than they are the word of God? Wrestle with that question for a minute. If so, then we're going to be blown about tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And my prayer and my hope for you is that you can be a faith family who allows the truth to shape your view of culture not culture, shape your view of truth. And so we root ourselves in God's word, in his truth. We must pursue by Christ's power to grow mature into his image. And so verse 15 and 16, and I'll wrap this up here, is this beautiful picture of everything that we've just been talking about. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here's our picture. Visualize that, church. Christ as the head, and each one of you is all the joints that are holding this whole thing together, all right? We are in this together, one body, many parts, using the gifts that God has given us to build one another up in love. We grow healthy. When we are all bearing with one another in unity, using our given gifts to minister to one another and speaking the truth to one another in love. So back to this big idea that we started with here. A healthy church is a unified, uniquely gifted, and maturing group of individuals working together to build itself up and love. And so my question I want to leave you with today is, what are you doing with the gifts that God has given you? Gateway, we have have been given by Christ all that we need to accomplish the mission that he has called us to. He desires to bring great glory to his name through this faith family, through you. And and one of the greatest provisions, I'm going to have you look around at one another one more time, all right? Look around. Come on, come on, guys. I'm done, so just look around. One of the greatest gifts that God has given you is each other, the people in this room, using your gifts to serve one another, bearing with one another, so that God grows this church up together, healthy, so that he is glorified in Irmo, all throughout South Carolina, and among the nations. And so I just want to encourage you today, as I'm going to pray for you right now, even if, if you feel like, hey, I, just, there's a, I need to talk to someone on the staff. I need to talk to someone about how I can get engaged or go to that website and fill that form out. But maybe even, like I said at the beginning, this is a, a moment where you're like, I feel God stirring something in me. Whether it be for salvation or just how he wants to use me in his church. I know Don's going to be up here. Uh, he would love to talk to you and pray over you. But I just want to pray over you uh, this morning right now as we continue in worship in a time of, of giving.